Welcome to the 340B Insider Podcast by RX Strategies. In this episode, how to optimize a mixed-use program, RX Strategies' Jonathan Genn connects with Senior Director of Client Success, Austin Shady. Let's listen in. Hello, my name is Jonathan Genn, and welcome to the RX Strategies 340B Insider Podcast. Today's episode is going to cover how to optimize a mixed-use program. We're joined by Senior Director of Client Success for the RX Strategies Mixed-Use Program, Austin Shady. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Austin. My name is Austin Shady. I am the Senior Director of Client Success uh, for RX Strategies as it relates to the Mixed-Use Program. Uh, I have been in 340B now for about seven years. Um, first four years of my career were on the covered entity side and the last three have been over on the TPA side. And while you definitely see the um, the differences between the two, it's definitely been a very unique and interesting experience. Well, great. And we're uh, very lucky to have you on board here, as I'm sure all of your, your clients would agree. Uh, we're going to break down the topic of running an optimized mixed-use program into five different topics. So Austin, what's our first topic today? So our uh, our first topic today is going to be uh, how to be a good steward of your data. Um, and so I like to break this out into a few different aspects. So the first thing is being able to understand how your data is created, how it is stored and sent to your TPA, and what some of the data elements within that uh, within those files actually represent. Your data that you'll be sending to your TPA, whether that be on a daily, weekly, et cetera, cadence, uh, is going to be a, typically a flat file generated out of your EHR. Um, that file is going to be handled and delivered to your third-party administrator where they're going to ingest that data and then they're going to spit out and tell you how many accumulations you have available um, on 340B, GPO, or WAC, potentially, uh, if you are subject to WAC. The big component of being a good steward of your data is you know, understanding what that data means and being able to talk at it, talk about it from an intellectual's level. Um, so I think one of the big critical elements, at least looking at your charge data, is being able to understand the NDCs that you're sending to your TPA and the charge quantity that you're sending to your TPA. Um, I know some people are using CDM codes. Uh, some people are using NDCs. Some people are using combination of both to be able to capture their charge data uh, from the previous day. Or, so being able to understand how that charge data is delivered and what those codes and NDCs represent is being able to make sure that you're um, accumulating correctly and compliantly and uh, also being able to optimize uh, potential 340B savings to you know benefit your program. So that's part one. Uh, looking in terms of being able to look at your charge data and, and specifically the charge quantity that you're sending over, you can be sending you can send it over in a multitude of different ways. So you can send it over in terms of the amount of peaches that are sent or that are used to the, on the patient. It could be the specific amount of units that are used on the patient, whether that be mill, milliliters, milligrams, uh, shots, etc. Or you could be sending it potentially in the amount of J-codes that are billed to the patient. So being able to understand how the charge quantity is being used in your charge file 
uh, is important in terms of being able to make sure that you accumulate direct, uh, correctly. If you're using multipliers from your uh, third-party administrator or a BUPP or some sort of converter that takes that charge quantity and transforms it into the amount of units that you're accumulating on uh, is very critical. You get either, if you're using the wrong values, you don't understand your data correctly, you could either be under accumulating or over accumulating, which obviously will lead to either compliance issues from over purchasing or missing out on potential 340B opportunity by under accumulating. Got it. So those are some good insights. I think as a layman, I do have a, a follow-up question for you. You've, you've been on the Covenancy side, so you've, you've done this. What are some, some resources that are out there um, you know, with, within the hospital uh, or otherwise that, that will help people familiarize themselves with these concepts? Uh, your IT team is going to be a really valuable resource. Uh, that if you're not familiar with your EHR, they'll be able to help walk you through it, be able to help navigate where to find specific charges related to patient uh, encounters. Uh, they'll be able to walk you through and tell you how the charge file is generated. Uh, but more importantly, as I you know boil down to the charge quantity, they'll be able to tell you the different types of those charge quantities that I listed out. They'll be able to tell you which one they're sending in the charge file and then how to appropriately document and accumulate on it. Um, so your IT team, specifically the report writers who help create your charge file, and then even drilling down into potentially your your uh, your CIO, that th those individuals will be pretty critical in terms of being able to help you um, create a knowledge library for your charge file. All right, topic number two. So my talk, my topic number two um, is a very interesting one. Uh, I, this is my own personal belief. I think, you know, it's probably going to clash with some other people, but I think audit consistency is more important than audit size. So I look at it from this point. Um, if you're auditing a large amount of claims, but your consistency or your cadence is, you know, one to four times a year, you're potentially missing out on problems. I would much, in my opinion, I would much rather audit a smaller sample size, but potentially on a more frequent cadence. Um, so that way I can potentially pick up on either compliance issues where we're over accumulating or um, 340B opportunity where we're under accumulating. And it's not even just boiling down to that. Um, you know, there are, you know, examples that if you're auditing throughout the course of time, you may find a, um, you might find a patient through the charge feed that, you know, they were outpatient during their stay in the hospital. Um, but after they were discharged, they were updated to a inpatient patient class. However, we never, your TPA never got any of the, of those updates. So those charges were still left in your TPA as outpatient charges. So they accumulated on 340B. You potentially used those accumulations to purchase on 340B. Um, and that that's a compliance issue as you're obviously you're, you're utilizing 340B opportunity that should never in 340B to begin with. So being able to identify those issues, updating the charge data so that way it reflects the correct 
uh, bucket type to accumulate under is very critical. Um, you know, if you're not auditing consistently through a normal cadence, then you're missing out. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So just to summarize, it sounds like consistency or cadence is a lot more important than quantity and, uh, staying on top of those, those self audit processes, um, can help you not only stay ahead of compliance issues, uh, but actually create some additional savings opportunities. 100%. Uh, topic number three. All right. So topic number three, uh, for me is creating, um, strong relationships and networks or networking opportunities with not only with your third party administrator, but also other vendors within the 340 space. So that would potentially include wholesalers, direct vendors, uh, Apexis, 340B Health, et cetera, uh, because you're going to always come through questions while you're going through your day-to-day operations. You might be able to answer those questions immediately. Some of those questions might take a while to figure out. Um, developing th- these relationships uh, allows you to expand your knowledge basis because, you know, not always factual that somebody else might know the answer, but it's never not a bad idea to check with somebody else. Um, so being able to, you know, constantly you know, expand your network, have, like I said, have those strong relationships. You're able to, you know, pick up on potential problems that other covered entities in the 340B space have dealt with. Uh, so that way, when eventually it might come down to your pipeline, you know, you're not going, y'all are, you already have those answers. You'll be ready to be equipped to, you know, answer them and move past them effectively. Uh, another great insight, Austin. Um, and I think we're up to number four. Number four on my list is, uh, I like to quote it here, but team size map. Depending on the size of the covered entity, you might have only one resource dedicated to your 340 d program. You might have many. Uh, I think it's pretty important to making, if, if you're a single resource dedicated to your 340B program, I think it's pretty important to make sure that you don't have too much on their plate, uh, especially if you are a covered entity that is really uh, reliant on your 340 opportunity to keep your keep your hospital open. Um, I've I've seen some people throughout my time where they are not able to maintain enough resources on hand through the third free program and they're able to, you know, they're they're gonna be losing out on opportunity. Um I also see a lot of not a lot, but I see some other other covered entities where their team is, you know, pretty large. Sometimes they have, you know, 10 to 15 members dedicated to their 340 team. And not only are they able to catch problems a lot faster than others, but they're also able to diagnose and capture opportunities a lot quicker. So they're able to take advantage of potential issues that might come through or potential positives that come through their way. And they're able to, you know, potentially there, there's oftentimes an ROI opportunity for investing more in a program from a resource standpoint. No, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree on that. Yeah, you know, you obviously want to make sure that you have the adequate number of resources on hand. You don't want to go overboard on it because then you're, you know, then you're going to lose opportunity there. But you definitely don't want to make sure that you have uh, one person that is overloaded on responsibilities as, a, and you know, one of their responsibilities is maintaining your 340 program um, because at that point, you know, you're definitely at risk to miss out on opportunities, but also you're at risk to potentially go out of compliance. You know, if 
you know, if that individual is not able to consistently, um, you know, take a peek at their accumulators, you know, take a peek at the program, making sure that up to date within compliance. Understood. And it makes perfect sense. Uh, another good insight. Awesome. Thank you. And, and last but not least, I think topic five. So topic five is steering, uh, steering committee involvement. Um, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty important. And I think for the most part, you know, most covered entities have a 340B steering committee. If you don't, I would definitely advise you to create one. Your team should be pretty much consisted of anybody who is running your uh, 340B day-to-day operations in addition to some critical um, C-suite individuals within your hospital. I think it's important to keep the, keep those members uh, involved and at least somewhat knowledgeable as to what's going on with your 340B program. I think... Um, as it relates to the committee, you know, how many times you meet and what your topics that you're going about is also important. Um, if you kind of, you know, stay on the same same agenda and you're only talking about the same things, you might be missing out on opportunities. So kind of keeping a fluid and dynamic um, agenda while you're having these committee meetings is also pretty important. So that way you guys are potentially touching on different areas that you normally wouldn't talk about. Uh, but also that allows some of your C-suite members to, you know, see what's going on. And if there's anything that, you know, you might need some additional push on, or maybe they might be able to help expedite the process on that. It's always, it never hurts um, to have those members uh, being informed on what's going on through for you program, how it could potentially get better. Um, and that way they're able to, you know, also report out to all the other stakeholders of the hospital. Well, Austin, I really appreciate you joining us here today. Um, I appreciate all the listeners for tuning in. Uh, if you want to check out RX Strategies, you can visit rxstrategies.com. If you have any follow-up questions for Austin, you can be reached at ashady, A-S-H-A-D-Y, at rxstrategies.com. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, John and Austin, for sharing this insider information on what's important to covered entities and pharmacy professionals who manage a 340B program and provide the best care to those they serve. Listeners, don't forget to visit 340BInsider.com to view resources, show notes, and access more My 340B Insider podcast episodes. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on your favorite app. Until next time. Thank you for listening.